Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Are we still doing the wedding? No, Teresa, my fiancé, Michael, uh, he said today that he was thinking and he cannot marry me. Uh, and uh, I have to leave the country because I have three days left. Yes, he do. Yes, so uh, I have to cancel you. Okay, okay. It's if if Michael's not ready to get married, then yes, and of know, course it's his view and. Uh, well, you have to go back home. That doesn't mean the relationship is over. It's over. I'm sorry. Oh. I'm not discussing it with you. I cannot forgive him this. Yes. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. 90 Day Fiance only edition this time. Why do you ask? Well, I was absolutely honored to be asked to be on the Surviving Sister Wives podcast. So you can hear my thoughts on the latest disgusting episode (laughs) over there check out surviving sister wives y'all this is one of my favorite podcasts i adore them and listen i'm single they're a couple i'm not saying that i'm looking to be in a sister wife situation i'm just saying if i was um they might be one of the top couples that i would be interested in they'd be on the short list for sure So yeah, check out Surviving Sister Wives, y'all. Let's talk about 90 Day Fiance. Okay, so yeah, this episode was like pretty good, mostly because we didn't have to deal with Brandon and Julia. And we finally saw some interesting different sides to a couple of our couples. So 
let's you know always like to start with the least dramatic first so let's start with Tariq and Hazel so Virginia is starting to open back up Tariq and Hazel decide to meet up with their friend Angela I love Angela you guys it's Tariq's friend from like back in the day but she really gives Tariq nothing (laughs) we have not really seen her fully stand up for Tariq and I love that I love that there are people willing to you know she's a good friend she's a good friend and a good woman and she holds him accountable she calls him out on his bullshit she sides with Hazel when she needs to and I think she's completely reasonable and I love Angela she's one of the best friends of on the 90 day fiance uh series of all time for sure so they're going to get married in eight days but when Angela asks if anything if they've planned anything like do you have your dress do you have shoes anything like that they basically have nothing except for Tariq's ugly white suit um Hazel So she, you know, she looks really upset. She's not really talking. She's not really making eye contact. So Angela is like, what's going on? Tariq. My God, dude. Turns out that Tariq has found not Minty, but yet another woman in the Philippines that he has been friends with for eight years. So he says, and they just started this person out of the blue, started communicating with Tariq again calling a bunch of times really wanting to talk to him so Hazel feels annoyed she feels really really annoyed Tariq says you know they've never met he's never met this woman you know all of a sudden in the past few days she started reaching out a lot and Hazel asked why right (laughs) and then I guess Hazel got on the phone with this woman and was like bitch why are you calling my man and Tariq said that he was embarrassed, not embarrassed by the situation in terms of uh, Hazel, in terms of like, I'm embarrassed that this woman keeps calling me. He's embarrassed at Hazel for being upset. Angela says, no, you should be embarrassed that this woman is reaching out to you when you have a fiance. Thank you, Angela. So in a joint confessional with Tariq and Hazel, Tariq says, you know, Hazel's making a mountain out of a molehill and uh, Hazel says, why don't you just call her? Just call that lady like you've been calling Minty. See? (laughs) I fucking love Hazel. She's, (laughs) she's really that girl. She is really that girl. Angela basically tells Tariq that he's full of shit and that he's trying to mansplain to Hazel to try and get himself out of this situation Hazel says in a confessional, you know, just because I'm bisexual, it doesn't mean that you can talk to any girl you want. I have to be the one who chooses our girlfriend, not you, sir. Angela says that Tariq is an alpha male. And this is where I have to, you know, drop me off here. I'm going to go. We're obviously going in two different directions, Angela. Um, I'm not, I don't, and I can't. Um, Tariq is not an alpha male. I actually really like Tariq. I don't really know. I feel like we don't have like a universal idea of what an alpha male is. Like, 
an alpha like if somebody refers to themselves or someone else as an alpha male in the year of our lord 2020 or 2021 i'm running in the opposite direction because i know that that's some bullshit i mean i could get into like you know what it means to be an alpha male and like how damaging that is i don't want to i kind of do but i'm stopping myself <laughs> but but let, Needless to say, I do not uh, think that Tariq is an alpha male. Or maybe I do. I don't. Um, so, <laughs> uh, you know, she's, Angela says alpha males don't like to admit when they're wrong. Okay. And then she tells them, you know, Tariq, you need to block that girl. Because Hazel made the sacrifice coming to America. So you need to do what you got to do to make your future wife feel comfortable. So later we see Tariq put on that powder blue suit that he put on when he picked up Hazel from the airport and he has planned a romantic surprise in the living room. So picture this next to those, you know, uh, reclining chairs. He has two of those brown, of course, um, next to those two, like every Midwest person, and I speak as one myself, every Midwest person in like the late eighties, early nineties had that brown, fluffy reclining chair and they're back. They're back. I mean, <laughs> I would not be surprised if those chairs are the ones that we had in my house in small town, Illinois in 1989. I truly would not be shocked. Um, Next to that, he's put down an orange blanket, a child-sized blanket, some pillar candles, um, some... <laughs> he's put ro uh, rose petals on the stairs so she can walk down them, but only on, like, the last four stairs. <laughs> so she really doesn't even know what's going on until she gets to the bottom of the stairs and is like, wait, what? <laughs> And then we have um, a bucket of Prosecco and a, 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 what is the word? A plate, a plate full of strawberries and cherries and a little pot of what I assumed is like burned chocolate. Do you guys remember on Valentine's Day when <laughs> Cardi B posted that picture of chocolate covered strawberries that offset had made her and he clearly did not know how to melt chocolate correctly so it was just like grayish chunky chocolate on these poor strawberries <laughs> truly looked like a child made it um anyway so you know, she's surprised and he's like, oh, you know, you don't have to do this. And they have a little bit of a heart to heart about, you know, where he is, how many times he's fucked up since she's been here. She says, you know, I, when I was over in the Philippines, I trusted you a hundred percent. And now that we're here, I just feel like there are a lot of red flags. And Tariq says something that I think is important. And I think it was really good of him to say. He says, you know, I never had the intention of cheating on Hazel ever, ever. But I do have the understanding of how bad all of this stuff looks and how uncomfortable it made her. And that's really, you know, all we ask for. That you just understand. Even if you maybe 
don't agree just to understand where we're coming from. And he did that. And I think that is alpha male behavior. Admitting when you're wrong and admitting how you hurt somebody. We love that. We love that. Um, then he says, you know, I just want to have a fresh start. Let's start over. We're going to go back like boo, 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 in the annals of time, annals, annals of time. <laughs> and, um, and restart our relationship. So I'm still wearing that funky powder blue suit and I'm going to repropose to you now. This is where I get bougie. You guys, I have to admit that if you're going to propose to me again, you're going to have to give me another ring because that ring is tainted. Don't ask me to take off my ring and then you're going to get down on one knee and propose again. No, I'm going to need an upgrade, sir. And I'm not even that girly. I don't even wear jewelry most of the time, but I'm going to need an upgrade. Thank you. And you can let me know when that's finished. And while we're waiting, I'll I'll take a little nip on these uh, cherries because I love cherries and you just let me know when you get back from Zales and we'll you know pick up this conversation later let's move on to Yara and Jovi we really did not get anything of them we see Jovi drunkenly escaping the champagne room that his friend paid for he says I didn't touch her so Therefore, I don't feel like I have to say anything to Yara. We're on a don't ask, don't tell policy. As long as she doesn't ask me, I'm not saying shit. So we're good. He, you know, even though Yara asked him to come be home by 11, he stumbles in at 126 in the morning. Y'all, they're going to Vegas the next day to get married. Like that morning, meaning he has hours before they have to head up to the airport but he's so drunk he has not packed a thing of course he doesn't want to pack um he gets home and yara is not really going off on him probably because she's tired but she's like you know you need to pack because we're leaving in the morning and he's like but i don't want to can i just go to sleep and then he goes and tries to sleep with the clothes that he, you know, stumbled around Bourbon Street in and was, you know, probably has somebody's, you know, labia menorah rubbed on. And she's like, take your clothes off. Do not wear that stuff. So he takes his clothes off. They go to sleep. The next morning, oh, I have to say, this is something that stuck with me. And I, I would be remiss if I didn't, you know, as much as I just went off about how he did not need to be wearing street clothes, he definitely did not need to be wearing street clothes because did you guys notice that there was not a fitted sheet on that bed? And there's truly nothing more depressing to me than people who don't use fitted sheets. Like y'all are just, I mean, there was like, it did seem like there was a, a mattress cover, but like y'all just be sleeping on your beds raw like that. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. I come from the Sarah Berry house of home decor where you have the mattress and then the mattress cover. Yeah. And then the fitted sheet and then the flat sheet, you guys. And then you have, you know, two pillows minimum. Really, it should be four. Okay. And no more, no less. Okay. You know, we can go back and forth on the pillow number requirement, but you have to have a, a fitted sheet. You have to have something 
it's it's the condom of beds and I just don't I don't understand that life and I don't want to and I don't feel like I should have to so let's move on so at the airport Yara is clearly upset she's very upset she says you know I don't have a problem with him partying with his friends but I just feel like he again is not really thinking about me he's not thinking about our uh, future family he's not thinking about the baby not thinking about that demon seed (laughs) that is that I'm growing. Thank you very much. And she's in a really bad mood. I don't know where Jovi goes at this point, but they interview Yara by herself at the airport. And she says, I just feel like I don't want to be here. And I feel like I want to go back home. And by home, I mean to Ukraine. Like I don't want to be in America anymore. (sighs) Good on her. I mean, we're a little bit late in the game here. Like you're in Vegas already. It's not the best look, but also Jovi, the girl's been warning you multiple times about how selfish you are and how you're not thinking about her. So I don't really know next episode when she drops this information on him, it really shouldn't be a bomb of information. There's nothing he should be surprised about because he's been letting all the things that she said go in one ear and out the other. So I don't want him looking, acting like he's stupid, more stupider than he already is. Okay, let me move on. <laughs> let's go to, gosh, let's go to Rebecca and Zied. So we start off with Rebecca. Rebecca, I, I don't remember this, Rebecca. We have seen Rebecca be like the wet noodle a soggy piece of bread of a woman. She's constantly in a state of, uh, uh, you know, (laughs) there's no word for what Rebecca is to me. It's just like, uh, you know, like Rebecca's just like, uh. (laughs) I just like, I don't like her. But today she's actually pissed off because Ziad still wants to get married before Ramadan, and that leaves them just a few weeks. So Rebecca says, you know, the wedding is important to her, and she's just feeling some type of way. You know, for somebody who doesn't want to, somebody who's been so afraid of Ziad and his feelings about her Muslim ex you would think that she would stop comparing them because as we all know you guys comparison is the thief of joy and it appears that Rebecca's joy account has run dry and it's got a fraud charge on it so she's saying you know I just feel like my last wedding it really got rushed and you know that's the last thing I want to do with Ziad as if they're the same people and this matters. So Rebecca gets home and she's like, Zed, do you have a few minutes? And he's like, yeah. And I'm thinking like, girl, you know, he doesn't have a job. You know, he does not leave this apartment. He has all the time in the world. But anyway, um, they sit down and she says, you know, listen, I, we don't have the money to have you moving out to someplace on your own. Okay. Tiffany, my daughter, has just moved so you can't live there so we don't have any options 
And Ziad is like, okay, so what do you think we should do? She gets frustrated because she's like, you create these circumstances that need to be solved. And then you always ask me what I'm going to do. But the issue is always on you. So what are you going to do (laughs) to fix the situation? And, you know, Rebecca says, my only solution is that we keep doing what we're doing, which is you live here and we get married after Ramadan. Ziad says, you know, Ramadan is a very special, like high holiday, religious holiday. You're supposed to be really strict with the things that you do and don't do. No drinking, no smoking, no living with your girlfriend. Rebecca gets real sassy and says, so are you only religious this one month out of the year? Because it seems like you just do whatever the hell you want for the other 11 months. (laughs) Well, damn. Damn, damn, damn. So then Rebecca says, you know, I am now worried that Ziad might be taking advantage of me, but I still want to get married. So they're sad. (laughs) Ziad says, you know, his plan is like, we'll just have a small ceremony here and I promise you will get the wedding of your dreams. We'll go back to Tunisia. We'll have a nice affair. I promise you that that will happen. At this point, Ramadan is only 12 days away, but with Rebecca's work schedule, they really only have like eight days to get married. So the next time we see Rebecca, it appears that she has adopted the um, Stephanie hair method of like taking seven shots or downing three quarters of a bottle of wine and then putting your hair into pigtails. Like she looks like Tina Burner's mom because she's wearing a red blazer (laughs) and that red hair. She looks like if Ginger Spice had made every wrong decision in her life and now she's working at a chicken shack in, you know, slightly suburban Georgia. I don't know what she was thinking. (laughs) I would say for all of you people who are um, dependent on a dye job, um, particularly to, you know, if you're what appears, it seems like her original natural hair color is quite dark with some grays. She's really trying to work that, you know, Sharon Osbourne red. I would just say if you're trying to, you know, I know that COVID times are tough. We can't get to the salons like we used to. But I would just say, like, if you want to extend the life of your dye job, I would not put it in the one style that's going to show all of your roots and all of your undercarriage and, you know... It it was just sad. Like, if I saw her in the parking lot, I would be like, wow, I wonder what happened to her, (laughs) what she's going through. Because it seems like a psychological thing. Like, seems like, baby, there's a storm brewing within you. And it's manifesting in you being a 50-something-year-old woman with pigtails. You know, like, Stephanie, her pigtails are more of the uh like Jan Brady variety whereas Rebecca has gone like Cindy Brady like they're high up and on the side of her 
head, like right by her temples. That's a real choice, you guys. That's a real choice. You know, unfortunately, as women, we have to decide, you know, there comes a time where we age out of certain looks and hairstyles. And that's just the truth. You know, like we as a society have, uh, you know, there's a link between a, a pigtail and who wears them and what age bracket is appropriate for a pigtail. And I mean, could she have brushed it? It just didn't even seem like she took a comb or a brush to the situation. Like she was just like, like angry and just stuffed her hair into a couple ponytail holders. And I'm just like, that's a warning sign for Jojo Siwa. Like, you know, we need to think about as we get more mature, we need to think about like certain looks that don't work for us anymore. You know, you know. Like, JoJo Siwa's still thriving, but she's got a lot of traction at alopecia, you guys. And sometimes that's hair you can't get back. Anyway. Um, Zian's playing video games with his headphones on. We find out that Rebecca lost her engagement ring. The ring that Zian gave to her in the desert. She keeps talking about, like, he gave this ring to me in the Sierra. The Sierra. The Sahara. I can never get that back. She acts like he got it, like he found it somewhere in the middle of the desert and that this could never be replicated. Girl, I am positive he got that at some sort of open air market. You could probably find, go back to Tunisia, call his sister and tell her to just go back there. It's fine. I, I mean, I understand that it's sentimental, but it's also like, it's not the rare jewel of the Nile, girl. It, it's okay. It's okay. The man doesn't have a job. How expensive can it be? You know? Um, Zied is deep into Call of Duty or, I don't know, Fortnite or something. He's, again, you know, like, just imagine a, a woman in her 50s with Cindy Brady pigtails with her much younger fiance playing video games on the couch. She's panicked looking for this engagement ring and he could not give one single fuck he's like i don't care what do you want me to do (laughs) she keeps going on and he is giving her absolutely nothing he's like it's lost i i don't know like i i haven't seen it i haven't seen it like he's truly acting like a teenager and with his mom scrambling around looking for the car keys. And he's like, mm, I don't know. I haven't seen it. Can't even be bothered to get up on the, off of the couch so you can pick these, you know, the cushions up to see if maybe it went under. Could not care less. So Rebecca's in a rampage. She decides to drive over to her daughter Tiffany's house. She says in a talking head, you know, Tiffany called me over to come over last night. And she said it was because... She hurt her ankle or her foot or something. We see her sitting there with crutches. and But I think she might want to talk about Zied. And it's like, mm, I think you're projecting onto her. Like, maybe she actually did want her mom to come and comfort her. But you're the one who made it all about Zied. So Tiffany is acting like an oracle. And she's saying, you know, I had a bad feeling about your last husband. And I just feel like this isn't right. I feel like Zied might have ulterior motives. I just don't know. Rebecca 
acts like she's dropping a bomb. And she tells Tiffany, you know, I went to try on my wedding dress and I couldn't try it on. And Zia just said that we could get married in jeans. <laughs> she acts like this is a moment. This is a moment where we find out that Zied is a scammer. But I also think Zied probably really doesn't care. And if anything, he was probably trying to make you feel better. Like, oh, you know, my girl can't fit into her dress because it's too small. So I'll comfort her by saying, let's just wear matching clothes. And honestly, I thought that she would have thought that that was highly romantic. Because, you know, she loves a, a matching outfit, a matching ensemble with that man. It would not surprise me if they got married in matching leather jackets and jeans anyway. I'm actually a little bit surprised that she does not find that the height of romance. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Okay, y'all, let's move on to Stephanie and Harris, I guess. <laughs> this is getting really uncomfortable. Just watching Stephanie get bombed every single episode. It is yikes. It's a yikes for me, dog. So Stephanie goes downstairs from, you know, the she's living in a, staying in a, a uh, basically it's almost like a townhouse where the bedroom's upstairs. She comes downstairs and we find out that Harris actually slept on the couch. Um, he says that he feels a lot for Stephanie, but he wants to be a gentleman. So he's, you know, t he's, mm. <laughs> he's going about this in a very tactical, gentlemanly way. Right. So Stephanie says, you know, just give me a second. I need to check in with work. And she talks to her coworker, Pam, who informs her that Ryan's mom has been reaching out calling her work to figure out where Ryan is because according to her, they have not heard from Ryan in a couple of days. Stephanie's like, all right, boom, block them, block her, block every single family member. You don't need to be talking to them. I don't know what his problem is. I don't need to be talking to them either. So delete, erase, unfollow, block the whole thing, right? Harris hears this and he says <laughs> Harris says that sometimes he cries because of how badly Stephanie has been hurt by Ryan. Harris like I would just like to have it be a 
clean and simple. This guy is a scammer. This guy is a smooth talker. This guy has an agenda to get to America. All of those things are true. But also, Harris is weird. And I feel like if this is what he thinks being the supportive side piece is and like this is just very strange like he's love bombing her he's giving her the sickly sweet stuff and actually he's setting out a honey trap and stephanie's falling right into it she's falling right into it so now let's talk about stephanie's look as harris sets up a romantic dinner on the water surprise for stephanie she you know jan brady Jan Brady ponytail, pigtails. And she's giving us like Grateful Dead chic. She's in that long shirt, you know, shirt dress, um, the pigtails, but the shirt dress is like a vibrant tie dye. It's, she gives us a lot of look every time. Okay, so they sit down at the table and Harris has surprised her with her very favorite wine, which is um, Sip, Sip Moscato. And I immediately felt a overwhelming sense of shame because I should have known that Stephanie was a Moscato girl. Stephanie was a girl who at 50 something can just drink bottles and bottles of Moscato and feel no pain. That's my bad. That's my bad for not picking up on that. You know, there are distinct, like, beverage personalities. Like, we all know a Diet Coke girl, you know? We all know a girl who loves Diet Coke. And I feel like once, maybe you guys have not heard that phrase before, but once you think about a Diet Coke girl, like, you know who she is. You know who she is. You know what she looks like. And... Stephanie's a Moscato woman, okay? And we all know what that looks like. If you guys are interested in purchasing Sip Sip Moscato, it's a pretty affordable label. I found it for $12.99. If you want to check that out. And I bet it is the sweetest Moscato that you can find on the market. I can guarantee you that. You guys, I cannot drink Moscato. I, ugh, just the thought of it. It's like drinking... Have you ever left ginger ale out overnight and it gets flat? It tastes like flat ginger ale. It's just too sweet. Ugh, can't. So anyway, (laughs) Stephanie gets so fucking excited. She's like, Harris, don't get fancy with it. I don't need any special pours or, you know, don't give me a, you know, give me a real heavy pour. So when he, by the time he finishes pouring them both a glass, the bottle's empty. She's not even taken a sip of the first glass. They have not done a single cheers, not a clink clink, not a chin chin. She says, bartender, I'm ready for my next round. Hasn't even breathed in the first one. Okay. So (laughs) this woman is, she's a, she's very interesting to watch, but I also feel like we probably there seems to be it, the ethics there are ethics at play and i feel like we probably should not be watching this woman on on television i'm just going to say that 
I love her though. I love her. So we get to about four sips and by that I mean about half the glass. So we're talking about a quarter of a bottle of wine has gone through um, Stephanie's system and she's feeling like she wants to investigate. So she says, you know, what are we going to do? How are we going to navigate this situation with your family? How are we going to tell them that we're now together? Or do you even care, Harris? Do you, you know, do you not even feel some type of way about it? Harris says, you know, he doesn't care because Brian lost his chance. And his goal now is to show Stephanie how a woman can be treated. He tells her that he loves her so much. And he (laughs) he says, I want to be with your body, girl. Okay, Harris. See, this is a weird shit that I'm like, I don't feel like it's tactical. I think this is just who Harris is. And it's a weird, it's a weird. Okay. Um, Stephanie says, you know, she tells production, I, I have one more chance in life. And I think it's with Harris. And that's very sad that she thinks that this is her last shot. Stephanie is like a perfectly good looking woman she is does well for herself like i said before early in the season i think stephanie should move to florida i think stephanie has florida girl energy not michigan woman energy and i think if she moved to florida or god even arizona imagine stephanie and phoenix i think she would thrive she would thrive stephanie says that she Thinks that Harris might be the one, but she doesn't know if he's being 100% sincere. So she wants to talk to Maria, the psychic. I'm so sick of Maria. (laughs) I'm not sick of Maria. I'll take that back. I'm sick of Stephanie relying on Maria as a crutch. First of all, Maria's a fucking scammer. Like, everybody in Stephanie's life is a scammer. Maria is just picking up on the things that you're telling her, Stephanie, you probably think she's an intuitive because you probably don't remember half the things that you say to her. <laughs> and so she is like, oh, I hit a lick, girl. And she just repeats the same things that you told her already. And you believe them. It's so, it's such a scam. It is absolutely a scam. I fully support and believe in psychics and mediums, but this is not what's happening. This is not what's happening. So Stephanie FaceTimes Maria and Harris. She's zooted. Absolutely zooted. They're sitting in the bed with their, with the, you know, hotel robes on. And Harris says, you know, he's not afraid of Maria because he has nothing to hide. So Maria says, you know, she's concerned about the baby mama. Like as if this was something that like she just got from her instincts. No. This is not your third eye that's opening, girl. It's the first two. Because you're not blind, okay? You can see how this might go. So, you know, he is adamant (laughs) that nothing is going on, that his baby mama's sick of him, she's fed up, she doesn't want nothing to do with him. And that's the question that you should be asking. Why is your ex so fed up with you. Why do you keep using the term fed up to describe her feelings toward you? That's where your concern should lie. Stephanie is looking over at him like he's actually about to do something. I don't know. I mean, 
you, I just want the producers to ask Stephanie how you feel. Do you know? I mean, obviously she knows that any man that she brings over from a different country to America, and by any man, I mean the ones that she's talking to, are wanting to come to America to get a better life, right? So I just want her to explain, is she, where her head's at? (laughs) Do you know that these men want to come to America as an opportunity? Are you okay with that? Are you okay with that being their main reason for coming and that you are just kind of a secondary reason? That's what I would really like to know. Um, so yeah, he, he's just adamant that the the lady's sick of him and he just wants to move on in his life. So Maria asks Harris, like, what are your plans with Stephanie in the next year or two? And he says, you know, I want to move to Michigan so I can be her bodyguard and I can take care of her yard. And he just wants to be the helper boy. Right. Personally, I think this is bullshit, but Considering how much of that sip Moscato Stephanie has had tonight, it's, you know, <sighs> okay, girl. <laughs> she says that she's clearing, seeing things very clearly, and I feel like you're probably seeing double. So maybe it is good that Maria's there to have a second set of sober, fresh eyes on the situation, but she's not a, she's not a medium. Just, she's just your friend who I'm assuming that you pay like when she constantly is calling Maria is Maria like, okay, like a lawyer, I'm charging you for the hour. Is this, this is billable. Are these billable hours that we're getting from these international phone calls? Because you know, Stephanie's calling her at like probably like two or three in the morning, right? I hope she's getting paid. Anyway, let's move on to, is it our final couple? No, let's move on to Andrew and Amira. Um, this is a time where it's very, I think it's becoming more clear to Andrew that his acting is not working on Amira anymore. And he is fucking spiraling, dude. He is spiraling. So we open on their scenes with shots of Serbia. It looks like they're just men in a courtyard throwing bombs at each other. And Amira's walking around does not look very safe. Apparently there's been a riot, a lot of rioting happening in Serbia. Um, it's not great. So first time she gets detained and second time she's in a riot zone, a war zone. So two strikes on that one. (laughs) My God. Um, basically Andrew told Amira that, this trip would be like a two week vacation for her. But between the rioting and COVID, she hasn't been able to do anything. And she says, I kind of feel like it's a two week jail sentence more than a vacation. Right. She, you know, she doesn't speak the language. The shops are closing. The, she, the hotel that she was staying at promised room service, but they have cut those services. So she has to like go out and find food. But then we see a whole scene where she says, you know, I haven't eaten all day. She goes to a shop and they close. So she's fucking miserable. Absolutely miserable. 
She's scared. She has had trouble uh, sleeping because of all the uh, rioting. On top of that, Amira says she's barely spoken to Andrew since Serbia. So much like when he stayed in Mexico, the communication has really shut down. So it ramps up when he wants something to her from her and wants to manipulate her into doing something that you know that he knows that she isn't comfortable doing. But once he gets his way, it's like, oh, he's just living his best life. Okay. So Andrew told Amira that he's very busy with the daycare. Okay. (laughs) Amira says that she's full of doubts now about moving to California and then she feels lonely. Here comes Andrew, the actor again. He FaceTimes Amira. He's all light and bright. You know, he's talking to her and telling her to cheer up because all the fun things that they're going to do when she comes to America, like camping. Now you're going to tell the girl who says that she wants to come to America because we have the Liddy makeup stores. She's like dying to go to a Sephora, right? Camping. And you could tell this, this was just like something off the dome that he thought of. Like, oh, um, yeah, like I smell like outdoors right now. So yeah, we can go camping and we can go visit my sister and her husband. You're taking this chick out of her life and everything she knows for a weekend at Joshua Tree and your pregnant sister? That's it? (laughs) Okay. Um, So he, you know, Amira says that ever since his sister got knocked up, he's been really turning up the heat on her and pressuring her to come up with a deadline for when they can have kids, which is creepy. That's a creepy reaction to your sister getting pregnant. So she says, you know, I just want to make sure I want to wait till I get there, make sure that we're getting along before I bring a baby into the situation. And Andrew is acting like devastated. Like, I can't believe she's saying this to me. I'm just a sweet little angel baby. I've never done anything wrong to Amira. We've talked about having kids before and now she's turning things around. And I I think she thinks, feels like I've done something to her. I just can't imagine why she wouldn't want to be with me or why she would have hesitations. Me? Sweet baby Andrew? Oh, Amira, you don't want to have baby with me? (laughs) He literally says, It sounds like you're attaching children to some sort of behavior of mine, and that's difficult. Andrew, is it difficult to hear, or is it difficult to realize that the jig is up? I think it might be the latter. My God, this man is so weird. I I cannot take him. I cannot take him. Andrew says, you know, he's confused. Like, we're not fighting right now. And Amira's like, yeah, but I'm taking into consideration all the other times that you've been disrespectful to me. And Andrew's literally like, golly gosh, I don't understand what you're talking about. (laughs) So then production asks Andrew how he feels. And he is trying so hard to look like somebody who is 
holding it together and keeping himself from crying. And he says, you know, I feel like I am father material, but I'm really sorry that Amira feels otherwise. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Classic, classic gaslighting and manipulation. He is a sick, sick person. Sick per- Like, <laughs> if somebody said, if I had had a conversation with somebody about having children, and then all of a sudden they were like, I think that we need to make sure that we're on good footing, I wouldn't just be like, oh gosh, I wonder what I've done to them. I would ask them why they felt that way and then move forward and not just be like, oh, I, what? Just, huh? I guess I'll never know why she feels that way. Okay, I guess I'll just be a mystery. I'll just play victim. I'm just a poor guy who's being thwarted by this French devil. I'm just a victim, and I can't believe that she doesn't want to have a child with me. A man who barely takes showers and has, you know, that uh, keep calm and garden on sign in my bedroom. She doesn't want to have a baby with me. The man who has manipulated her into um, going to two different countries, one in which she got locked up. I can't imagine. What what could ever have I done wrong? But I guess I'll never know because I'm not going to fucking ask her. (laughs) Okay. Oh my God. He... He's wild. He's really, really wild. So Andrew, we see him talk to his mom about Amira coming to America and about her reservations about having children. So at this point, she's supposed to be on a flight to America or headed to the airport or something like that. So he's nervous because he's like, you know, last time I didn't hear from her, she ended up in a detention center. So I'm just a little bit nervous that I have not heard from her yet. And his mom's like, oh, you know, maybe she's busy packing or, you know, in the process of it. Maybe she just doesn't have time to send you a quick text or something. So Andrew admits, kind of. He says, like, I don't really know why she has so many reservations, but, you know, it might be because I have some quote unquote rough edges that we need to work out. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Um, Amira, like I said, is due to get on a plane and 
he says, you know, I'm stewing in my own anxiety. And I feel like you're probably stewing in your own body odor. And that could not be more true because when we see him the following day, he's wearing the exact same outfit. And I just know, like, I don't know much about Roseville, California. I don't know how close it is to the Mexican border, but I imagine it's hot. Andrew looks damp at all times. Like, I feels like if I was forced to touch his skin, it would make like a squishy noise, you know, like a sponge full of water. It just, ugh, it's just like he's dripping with oils. You know, it's just, it's just a lot for me. But production comes in and they're like rushing to set up the shot and figure out what the hell is going on. Turns out, um, Amira did not get on the flight. Not because she couldn't, but because she didn't want to. Yes, queen. Yes, queen. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. That was a bit of a, a, a cliffhanger, so we don't really see what happens. Uh, but I can't wait. I mean, that was enough. If we never see his shiny, smug little face again, I will be happy. Just to find out that she did not get on that plane because she chose not to. Love it. I absolutely love it. All right, you guys, let's end with Mike and Natalie. Wow. So Mike and Natalie have set a wedding date. Mike is talking about this. They've set a wedding date. Everything's good. You know, they have 10 days left in her visa. And Mike says that he's actually really excited to get married to Natalie. Okay. So the plan is to get married in the front yard. Natalie says, you know, I really wanted my mom to be there, but the borders are closed in Ukraine. So with six days left in her visa, Natalie has to call her mom to tell her that she officially cannot attend the wedding. Her relationship, Natalie's relationship with her mother is very strange because she, she kind of acts like her mom has some sort of cognitive issues. (laughs) And also that like, she feels like she has to protect her mom a lot and protect her from the truth. And I understand that like the older we get, the less we, most people want to involve their parents in their relationships. And you want to maybe sugarcoat it a little bit and make things seem better than they are so that they don't worry. I get that to a certain extent but also like I said she just treats her mom like she's stupid and I think her mom is just like an eternal optimist and maybe things are getting lost in translation about that so she calls her mom and tells her you know you can't come and I'm thinking like surely her mom knows that the borders are closed like do you really need to explain it to her it was just very weird for me um you know, her mom says, you just believe in good luck and keep moving forward. (laughs) So now we're at the day before the wedding and Natalie is reflecting on her first wedding. And she says, you know, all the bells and whistles, no expense was spared. They got married at a really expensive hotel. She had the big bridal party, the dress. She looked beautiful. They were showing pictures and honestly, she looked like a completely different person, totally different person. Um, And she's saying, you know, I had all that stuff, so I don't really care about having it this time around. But also I know that 
I might can't afford it anyway. So I'm settling. And even though I kind of pictured this time would be us getting married on the beach with our friends and music and food and all those good times, we're going to get married alone with Uncle Bo and Tamara, their friend from down the holler, and uh, getting married by the pond in the front yard. Great. We did see a little bit of Uncle Bo this episode where he's shooting fireworks out into the sky, like looking like as gleeful as a child on 4th of July. God bless him. God bless you, Uncle Bo. I mean, part of me kind of feels like Uncle Bo, you know, would have been to the at the Capitol if he'd had the means to go there, but he wasn't. So I'm just going to rely on that delusion. So. Okay. It's the day before the wedding and Mike is cooking something on the grill. What the hell was that? (laughs) It looked like, like a pumpkin scone or a red lobster biscuit. It didn't look like meat. It certainly wasn't a potato. I don't know what the hell he was cooking on that grill, but he seemed very happy about it. It seemed like a loaf, like a, I don't know what, what was that? Somebody, somebody reach out to me and tell me what the hell Mike was cooking on that grill. So they're sitting at the table eating and they start talking about how, you know, we're not able to do the traditional stuff. You're not having a bachelorette party. I can't, you know, do anything like that. And then Mike treats us all to his alter ego, magic, big Mike. And he gives Natalie a lap dance. Well, she's sitting on a table, a chair that already looks like it's about to blow, Mike. Like, I don't think you need to be adding any more stress onto those antique legs. But, you know, it was a decent lap dance, all things considered. My, you know, I had to take a a nap after that, a stress nap. But Natalie seemed to really like it. And she told him that maybe he missed his calling. This is something that he can make money doing. (laughs) This was like the first time that we've actually seen them enjoy each other. Natalie says, you know, I'm really happy that we're getting married. I'm happy that we're moving forward. I'm really excited about our wedding, even if it's not what I imagined. And he smiles and he holds her hand and he looks in her eyes and they have a really um, gentle moment till the following day where we get to the scene that has been teased all season long. Natalie's crying and packing. So she calls her wedding officiant, Teresa, and tells them that she has to cancel the wedding because Mike changed his mind and told her that morning that he had been thinking and that he can't marry her. And so this is where, this is the reason why I've been semi pro Natalie this whole time, because I'll be damned if you bring me to another country dangle this marriage over my head and then the day of the wedding you tell me that you don't want to get married and she has three days left on her visa so she really has to get to packing she is crying so hard on the phone that the wedding officiant is like i need you to slow down i cannot understand what you're saying she tells her we're not getting married and Teresa says i'm sorry i'm really sorry So two hours later, we see Natalie packing all her shit to go back to Ukraine and Tamara from down the holler 
Tamar, the neighbor comes into the house and says, you know, uh, I just want to let you know, Mike's on his way to the bank, but your, um, uh, airplane ticket, you should get a text about that pretty soon. Um, she's going to be taking Natalie to the airport. So she says, you know, all I got to do is just clear out my car and then we'll go. Mike said he's going to give me gas. So we're, we're good to go. So production catches Tamara outside and she says, you know, I thought I was going to the wedding today and I was excited until Mike called us down from yonder and (laughs) told them that he can't do it. She says that it was all emotional. Natalie was crying. Mike was crying. She started crying, getting wrapped all in the emotion of it. And it was sad for her. So inside production is remotely talking to Natalie um, via video chat. And so they ask her, you know, what's your plan? Because the borders are closed in Ukraine. So how are you even planning on getting back home? And she's like, I don't know. I'm just going to go to Europe and figure it out from there. So Natalie starts talking about how, you know, like, I can't be with a man who would do something like this to me. It's too much. And she throws what I think is one of his shoes she throws it behind her like she doesn't even see where she's going and it's like a trick shot from a basketball game she throws it (laughs) and it the room is the bedroom is like right off the kitchen so when she throws the shoe it lands right on the counter and knocks a bunch of shit off of that counter she's pissed she's really really pissed um she says you know i'm really scared not only because of COVID and I'm having to travel and travel through the airport, but also a man who would do this to me does not love me. And I have to accept that. And that was growth, you guys. That was growth and introspection on her part. And I, I really loved it. A producer asked, like, have you spoken to your mom yet? And she says, what can I say to her that I'm flying to Europe and I don't have any place to live? And it's like, yeah, I mean, it feels kind of like that's, what you're gonna have to do i (laughs) this is where i'm like this is why you don't hide everything from your mom because she thinks you're getting married and then suddenly she's gonna get a facetime from you and you're in france or whatever or hanging out in serbia with amira with no place to go either one of you so Oh, girl, it's a mess. I'm really excited to see because I i mean, I think we all know that they do end up getting married. So how do we go from Natalie realizing that this dude is a psycho who strung her along until the very last minute and she draws such hard lines about how a man who loves her would not do this to her. How do we go from that to them getting married? How does that happen? I'm I'm excited to see how that happens. You guys, thank you so much. I'll be back next week with regular scheduled programming, 90 Day and Sister Wives. But like I said before, check out Surviving Sister Wives podcast. They're so funny and so lovely. Thank you. Catch you guys next week. <laughs>